0: Now the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art, many do's and don'ts. First of all, you're using someone else's poetry to express how you feel. This is a delicate thing.
1: Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. We've got a very special episode for you today. It's another interview, uh, this time with an author, specifically the author Mike Henneberger, who wrote the book Rock Bottom at the Renaissance: An Emo Kid's Journey Through Falling in and Out of Love in and with New York City. Uh, it's a great book, well worth your read. If you love, if if you enjoy reading, even if you just like reading a little bit, it's a good read. If you like music and anyway I'm rambling on a little bit in the interview we talk about the book and how it came together and kind of its unique properties and uh, sort of stories behind that we also talk about all sorts of music movies TV shows books just all over the place literally a conversation that we went into and didn't have a plan I guess you could say and we just kind of let it go where it went and I think it's a really good one well worth your time to sit here and listen and, uh, and I think you'll enjoy it I think you'll enjoy it so before we get to the episode though Let's get some of that, uh, well, what do we call it? Oh, yeah, housekeeping stuff out of the way. Go find us on Instagram and Twitter at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find myself and Aaron's personal Instagrams and Twitters linked there as well. And if you go to our website, GrowingPunkPod.com, we've got all sorts of other content going on there, from reviews, album reviews, to like, uh, we've got top five lists and stuff going on there. And you can find some of the episodes there as well. I mean, you can find the episodes, but some... I guess bonus content surrounding the episodes maybe you can find there as well Uh, just all sorts of great stuff growingpunkpod.com you can join our email list and stay up to date with everything we've got going on there you can also check out our merch store maybe grab yourself a t-shirt got a couple different designs hanging out for you there and We've got a Patreon. If you feel like you want to support us, you like what we do, you can throw us a couple bucks there. Uh, but yeah, growingpunkpod.com, that's the website. Don't want to waste any more of your time. Let's get into this interview. It's me chatting with the author, Mike Henneberger. It's a good one, and you got it right here on Growing Up Punk.
2: I felt for sure last night that once we said God.
1: Yeah, man. So I'm glad we were able to finally yeah, sort out too, a time dude. to do this because we've been we've been going back and forth a little bit. And uh, first, I gotta say off the top because I think we're just gonna kind of go down whatever whatever rabbit trails we go down. Sure. But uh, yeah, the book "Rock Bottom at the Renaissance." Um, I, I loved it, like start to finish. And I knew from the get go because I think it's is it on the back here. Um. Oh yeah. New York City is also an easy place for a hopeless romantic to just become hopeless, especially when you're a music obsessed nerd who grew up on pop punk, emo, and John Cusack movies. As soon as I read that in the like the synopsis on the back or whatever, I was like, "All right, we are we are in." So yeah. Uh, I yeah, just right, right off the top, I gotta say it's it, you did a fantastic job. There are parts in this book where literally. And we were kind of messaging back and forth a little bit over Instagram, yeah. so it's kind of funny because I've never read a book and and had the opportunity to be discussing said book with the author while I'm reading. No, it. <laughs> and it's,
0: you know it's this it's like it's very cool for me too because um, I've kind of pushed it on a bunch of like Facebook groups and stuff, and yeah. so I actually get to talk to people who are reading it. Um, yeah, and so yeah, that's been very cool for me too. And the same on Instagram, like I put all my social media handles in the book up front yeah um so people can hit me up if they want but uh but yeah i mean i've just through like promotion and and like jack from bayside shared some posts from it the guys from juliana theory have shared some posts from it um or about it and so like people have just followed me on instagram and then yeah -hmm. i've been able to talk to a lot of people about it and that's been really cool
1: yeah it's been great so let's go let's go back to i guess the beginning a little bit for you then (laughs) yeah um what at what point, I guess, did you realize that writing was something that you wanted to do?
0: Man, ever since I was a little kid, like I remember my early, like earliest memories in elementary school, um, writing stories and really enjoying it. Um, but I didn't like it wasn't something that I was consistent about throughout my life. <clears throat> um, I don't I don't think I was ever like really dedicated to anything until my you know mid teens when I started playing in bands. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I mean I was a skater kid in my early teens, but other than that, like I didn't really hold on to writing. I used to draw a lot when I was a kid too, but I never really like held on to that either. And so I don't think I, it's not, it's not like that I'm a writer. It's just that I love music so much and I can't play it because I don't play any instruments. So I've always, and you know, when I played in bands, I was the singer of two different bands. And so I was always writing lyrics. Um, but when I didn't have that, I was, I started doing music journalism so I could write about Mm. music. Um, and so that gave me, that still gave me a way to like express myself through, by using music, um, and, you know, writing about it, but also kind of writing how it's connect, how I connect to it. Um, and that's basically what this book is. It's really just like, um, I mean, it's a, it's a whole story in itself too but uh i think it's just like almost everything that i write is revolves around music and so i think it's more about me being obsessed with music and expressing myself with music than me being a writer you know
1: right yeah no it's it's, it's a unique <laughs> i think take on on writing in the sense that you know like every chapter is kind of sort of focused around a song um, so I guess I guess I should have said maybe maybe that was the beginning when asking you about writing. But when do you remember getting into the music and kind of like that first band <clears throat> that you heard that sold you on whether it was punk or emo or whatever?
0: Yeah, man. And you're gonna th- you're um, can I I can cuss on this right? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> um, uh, you know what it is? It's just that like when I like listen to like I listen to your podcast, but also like when I've listened to others in the past, it's like. When people are more professional hosts, I feel like I need to be more professional, but...
1: (laughs) so Luke, I, I'm I'm sitting in if I could show you, I'm sitting in a storage closet right oh, now, yeah. essentially. Uh, that I've decorated the wall behind me just so there's something semi interesting to look Dude, at. I so. bet
0: I bet my <laughs> my home office is probably the size yeah. of your storage closet. I, I live That's in fair. New York That's City. Fair. <laughs> and I did the same thing. And once I started doing like more video interviews yeah. and stuff, I finally framed my posters and put them up. Yeah. I like mounted that shelf like five months ago when I started doing all this <laughs> stuff so I could That's put great. some stuff back there. Um, but you're gonna think I'm bullshitting you, um, which is why I asked. But yeah. MXPX, man, like right I've heard you talk about MXPX so much, but it's yep. true, like the first CD my brother and I bought was Teenage Politics. Yes. Um, right. and then like right after that, um, Rancids and Out Come the Wolves. Yeah. Um, so that was about like ninety five. So that's mm. um but I think I mean before that. You know, I was hanging out. My brother and I were hanging out with this, like, group of skaters in our hometown. Um, <clears throat> because it was such a small hometown, everybody, like, college kids to junior high kids, which I was at that point. Um, I was in junior high. But there were so few skaters that we all just hung out together, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, those older kids would, like, make mixtapes. Of punk bands and ska bands, and they get passed around our group and stuff. And so, like through those people, I learned about No Effects and Bad Religion and Blink One Eighty Two and um, Skank and Pickle, um, the Rudiments, like all this punk and ska stuff. And so, I th- I think it's like I'm not gonna like pretend I was cool or anything, and that I immediately knew like I was into punk and ska. I think it was just like the association of that stuff with, you know, the feeling of being with all my skater friends and like having that. That's kind of the first time uh, I felt like a community you know yeah
1: yeah yeah um so that's that's the big thing with with punk music i think especially is yeah. just like that community that seems to come with
0: it yeah and because everything else before that man it's like you know i was really in before that I, like as a kid i was into like the radio so it was just like r&b yeah. and pop music um and there was no connection there you know it's like everybody listened to that so like nobody was like you weren't you weren't forming connections with other people through that music, or at least I wasn't. Um, but then when I found like punk through those friends, we were yeah. forming connections through it, and I think that's what just made
1: it stick around. So did you say with MXPX? Sorry, um, did you say that? Like, did someone show them to you, or how did you come across them?
0: Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I I th- I don't know how we discovered MXPX. Actually, it had to have been through. Um, probably like magazines, maybe. Like, yeah, okay. Because I started, like, I became a Christian when I was like 13, but my family wasn't. So it was like I started going to church with some of my friends. And, um, but I was like the skater punk kid who had these other friends who were like from good, like, Christian families, but also skateboarded. And so, yeah. um, I yeah, that's a good question, man. I don't know. I <laughs> I can tell you this though. I know that like there was a point where in Corpus Christi, which is like forty-five minutes away from my small hometown, there was this like late night video game arcade that had like black lights and like played punk and stuff and, and it's yeah, where yeah, I mean and this is like ninety-five, ninety six. Yeah. Black
1: and, lights at their peak. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um and um and like a lot of like other like corpus skaters hung out there so that's so we we would drive up there with our friends who could drive and um i remember there was like a shoebox of cds out of their cases that so was like like used cds that you could buy for like a buck and um it's crazy because i was just listening earlier to your episode with um the guy who, who does the repress records oh, for yeah, Tooth and Jason, Nail. yeah, from <coughs> an Original Vinyl. Yeah, and I went to the show that he mentioned with uh, MXPX, 90 Pound Wuss, and Value Pack. Uh, oh. <laughs> that was the second concert I ever went to in my life. Right on. Um, and that was in 96. But at this video game arcade, in this shoebox, I found an unpackaged, like, disc alone 90 Pound Wuss CD. Yeah. And also the first Supertone CD, okay. Um, and so at this point, I at least knew who they were, and um, but yeah, man, I don't, I don't know how because me and my brother were the ones who kind of introduced Christian punk and ska to any of our Christian friends. So yeah. I am actually, I can't even figure. <laughs> I don't even know how I came across I that stuff. You.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. But it is interesting because. Uh, so my my first, I'm sure I mentioned it in one of those MXPX episodes. I know I've mentioned it before, but uh, the first CD that I that I got into that got me into punk was Teenage Politics. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that it's that same one because I think a lot of people when it was for them when it was MXPX, it was either at the very beginning with Pokey yeah. or it was Life, Life in, in General, general yeah. slowly going <laughs> the way the Buffalo, something along those lines. But so yeah, it's interesting that uh, we were both Teenage Politics because it it also kind of seems to be one that's glossed over a little bit i think uh in in you know the mxpx library but yeah uh, that's that's great you know so. what
0: it's very likely that um we just bought it because of we knew it was punk and yeah and, like we were in the punk section and you know all of our f- friends were listening to punk our skater friends and um yeah i mean i guess i don't know maybe my brother had heard about him from somebody Um, But yeah, I guess, because back then it was definitely, you know, the times where, like, you just go to the punk section and, like, look at the covers and, like, if it looks like something that... because, you know, where I come from, like, the small town that I grew up in, we didn't hear about anybody, you know? It was all kind of just, like, one track on a mixed cassette tape, so you didn't really know who to look for when you were looking at a, you know, a, a CD section at a store um so it could very well have been that we just like liked the way it looked and knew it was punk and got it and then that probably yeah because i can't think of anything that pre-teenage politics that was tooth and nail for us and so like finding out about tooth and nail because of teenage politics led me to getting 90 pound wuss and the supertones you know
1: yeah yeah was it the 90 pound was like the self-titled the yellow album? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. It's funny because I hear a lot of people talk I actually I owned that one and shorthand operation like the one that came after with the woman wearing like the gas mask. Yeah, was very whatever. different. Oh yeah, <laughs> but um I it's funny cuz people talk about that band and how much they love like their later stuff and I was like I just always got hooked on on that first record. I'm with you, was, dude.
0: I yeah. I yeah, everybody I knew loved like where they went with that band but i yeah. i did not
1: <laughs> it's funny it's funny because now as like a as an adult um i feel like i should go back and listen to some of those things because you know sometimes i'm like well maybe i just missed it you know as yeah. that first record was like just straight up you know kind of like punk rock whatever it was fast it had attitude is whatever and then you know the their later albums they kind of put a bit of a twist on that and it just kind of went over my head maybe a little bit no
0: same here and i i do that pretty often where i go back to music that i didn't like then to see if i like it now um i haven't done it with them i should try that because i i can't even imagine i can't even remember at all what those later cds sounded like yeah but i can still hear the first album (laughs) songs in my head um Yeah. (laughs) yeah but uh but yeah i've i've done that with like Stave Saker, who I never really liked yeah. and still didn't, still don't like. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I haven't. There hasn't been a lot of things that have changed that have changed my mind going back to them later in life. You yeah, know?
1: it's funny that you bring up Stave Saker because just uh, well, just the other day I wrote a post that was like top five tooth and nail post hardcore bands. Oh yeah. And shared it in a Facebook group that we're both, uh, I noticed, I think, both a part of. And just got so much shit. Because oh, man. it, so many bands, or not bands, sorry, but so many guys were just like, why is it, Stavesaker should be, you know, like all five albums on this list or whatever. And I was like, oh. I never really looked at them as post-hardcore. And then so I was like, all right. So I went and listened. And then I had another post that I put up that I was like, I just still don't get it. And it's it brought up this thing where I was like, it's really interesting how at times defensive people can get over like their favorite bands. And if you say you don't like them, right. Yeah. Like, and just how they can react. I'm like, I, okay. It was, <laughs> like I just, it yeah. was like
0: a blog. It was, it was like a blog post.
1: Yeah. So yeah. yeah Cause on our, on our website, uh, I'm looking at it right
0: like, now. Cause I remember yeah. seeing it and not really, yeah. I think I don't, I didn't really agree with it, but
1: was that the, 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 the list. Yeah. Or the because se- then I had the second post that was just like the cover of Speakeasy by Stavesaker, and I was saying, you know, I just, I still don't get it. But, uh, I know it's this isn't list, what I yeah. was talking about.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the, I guess the list. Because, yeah, yeah with Juliana Theory, 238, I liked. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, for, I remember Further Seems Forever being number one, which I, yeah. I love that record so much. I still
1: listen to that all the time (laughs) all the time and to be perfectly honest when i wrote the list it was the only record i was listening to yeah Yeah. it's like oh this is i know what my number one is there's no debate um but yeah then just getting into discussions with people about you know what is and what isn't post hardcore is just funny i'm like whatever (laughs) but um it's funny that we've gone down this wasn't the trail i expected (laughs) to go down so that's cool but so you mentioned briefly uh, and you mentioned this in the book as well that uh, you played in, or you sang in a couple bands. Yeah, um, were they both? Because I know one of them for sure. You said <laughs> was a Christian ska band. Uh, were they both kind of in that market, or?
0: Well, no. Um, so the first one, yeah, was a Christian ska band, uh, which I was in for five years, and we did some tour. We did we went on like three tours. Um, our last tour was with the Huntingtons and Sidewalk Slam from Tooth and Nail. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> then the second band I was in was, and this is like 2002, so it was like kind of like a Further Seems Forever Thursday yeah. kind of okay, scream, yeah. melodic screamo kind of band. Right. Um, and that was not a Christian band, but like, right. I, I still like wrote metaphorically, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, I was pretty serious about that lifestyle in the first band. Um, not as serious about it in the second band, mainly because of the, like, ugly way that the first band broke up really, sure. really messed me up and, like, broke my heart because those guys are, like, my best friends. And I mentioned that a little bit in the book, too. Yeah. Um, about how, like, that's, like, the worst heartbreak I ever had because, you know... When, you, when you're when you in a Christian band it it's more than just like you you have the connection of the bond of being in a band with your friends but then you yeah. also in your head it's this like higher purpose and you're like doing God's work and stuff and you're yeah. serving God through it so you just put this so much more weight on it so when it's taken away you don't only lose the bond with your friends but you lose all this other stuff that you made that you right. know yeah, so yeah. it was it was really hard and I I because of that, I kind of like stepped away from being so serious about that lifestyle
1: right. um,
0: and so the second band wasn't a Christian band. The other guys like weren't you know about yeah. that so um yeah no so the second band wasn't but the second band was pretty good too though
1: <laughs> is are there any recordings of this band?
0: <laughs> <coughs> there are <laughs> um, yeah. there are a couple recordings, nothing like good, nothing like right professional the, the last we broke up before we like mixed our yeah professional record Um, which also like was a professional it was a friend of ours had like a studio studio in his house um but uh it was recorded with good equipment and on pro tools in like 2003 um but we didn't mix it and so it really sucks like in the vocals (laughs) i i hate the vocals on it uh so i would probably never show it to anybody
1: (laughs) that's fair that's fair it's it's funny though because um paralleling again We, like, I made those same transitions. I was never in a ska band. Like, I I played in a punk band that had, like, ska parts, for sure. Like, because that was a thing at that time, right? Like, you mentioned Rancid earlier and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, you'd have this straight-up, like, punk song and then a ska bridge breakdown type thing. So I go back and listen to... I I recently found, like, that the recordings of that, and I go back and listen to it and go, man some of these songs i'm like hey they're they're not bad like i was 16 17 years old and like thinking about that i'm like all right but then there's this weird ska part like what was (laughs) that all about you know just like the upstroke guitars but you know and then as as bands were doing at that time we made that similar shift too where we kind of got into more like the the post hardcore melodic hardcore side of things and i learned or i i I learned how to scream (laughs) Um, i don't know if i could like ever do it legit you know like i had we had we had like a three song demo that i haven't heard for probably oh fifteen 15 years that i'm like i in my mind i'm like yeah we did all right i could i could scream all right but you know we were just a a local band sort of thing right? yeah so
0: yeah but it's- uh, um there so the second band i was in was called waiting on waiting on wednesday um and there's some there's some youtube videos of of shows right. of live shows um that i'm super proud of because uh, yeah. we were great live um, But that recording is just That last recording we made I'm not super proud of But the right. live stuff And then on my Facebook page There's a there's a bunch of videos of my ska band um, From our last show we ever played And man, we got really good it, After like, you know Well, into like year three we, were, we started getting good And we were all listening to like Alkaline Trio And Saves the Day yeah, yeah. So yeah. we like the last probably five or six songs we wrote didn't have, I mean, a lot of, most of our songs didn't have ska parts, you know? Right. Like, we yeah. were just so influenced by, like, emo and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that it started becoming, like, everybody just called us rock with horns. <laughs> That's fair. That's, yeah. That's fair. Early That's stuff was super, it. like, chanting, chant, 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 Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, where everyone just has to have a big smile on their face. Oh, God, eyes. yeah. She sounds so happy. Um, ska's making a comeback, man. Is there's, it? I don't know. There's, there's. I shouldn't say that. There's been a couple actually decent Ska records that came out this year. Oh, yeah? But, uh, I mean, it's it's always been a genre of music that is like, I only want to listen to it in a very specific time. And that's what I'm on my back deck barbecuing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I
0: yeah. hate saying this because i hated everybody who said this 15 20 years ago but yeah. like i'll listen to less than jake and real big fish all the any yeah. t- time they're on yeah um and i always you know p- pick up less than jake's new stuff um but uh yeah i don't really see i guess i'm just not on the right like following the right things to see new ska that comes out you know yeah.
1: well i think i don't know who it is but someone in less than jake uh is in a band called The Inevitables. Yeah, their drummer Vinny, yeah. uh, who doesn't yeah.
0: drum for Less Than Jake anymore, um, uh, okay. as of like last year.
1: Right, uh, but yeah, so it's it's all right. Like I gave a, a quick listen to it, and uh, I was like, oh, okay, okay. But uh or Get Dead is a band that just put out a uh, like they're more. They remind me a lot of like Rancid, especially in the way he sings. But cool. then he also brings kind of like like rapping or more rhythmic singing into it. It's, it's really neat. It's worth, it's cool, worth I'll listening to for out. sure. Yeah. Get dead. Um, but so back, back to kind of the book in writing, um, who like, do, do you have like much in the same way, I guess with, uh, with music, do you have an author or, or a book or whatever that was kind of like opened your eyes to, I mean, cause you were talking about doing music journalism sort of stuff, but opened your eyes to writing a narrative in a different way.
0: Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. And like, I, it's, I don't know if this is weird, but I'm
1: not a big, it's too re-
0: weird. I'm not a big reader.
1: Um, Actually, that's, that's funny because when we were first messaging back and forth, uh, you mentioned, I think that you bought, uh, or you, whatever you got, uh, our bank could be your life like on like the audio oh, book Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't listened <laughs> to it though. Which is so funny though. Cause I'm like, he's an author and he's doing the audiobook thing but which is yeah. which is cool too like i i mean i i, I get that it's just
0: it's a couple of things it. man when i can when i can actually make myself sit down and read i fucking love it but yeah. i have such a i'm such a workaholic that right. i feel guilty anytime i stop and do something that just like isn't like which i mean and i should be able to even justify that cuz i totally believe that if you're going to write you need to read and see like what works and it makes you a better writer. Um, so I could totally justify that as being productive, but it's so hard for me to, I'm very, uh, I don't want to say like short sighted, but I have a lot of things that need to be done now, you know? And so as long as there's things that have to get done now, it's so hard for me to like do something that's going to pay off in the long run, you know? Um, and so I don't I don't like sit down and read a lot I mean I mean in the past I've read yeah like I, like I I like Chuck Klosterman I love how he writes about music I've read some of his books I love Nick Hornby I've read a couple of his mm-hmm. books too but in same thing though it's like he writes about music like I write yeah. about music and yeah. um, and I think, like the books that I've read are like that I mean in my adult life um, and um, Rob Sheffield, who wrote uh, "Love Is a Mixtape," he's a writer for Rolling Stone. Like he right, writes yeah. about music, like I write about music. Yeah. Um, but I didn't read those guys before I read this. I wrote this book, you know. Um, hmm. I read Neil Strauss. Um, I like him. He's also a music journalist, but he I mean he's a journalist, you know, right. all around. Yeah. Um, but he I like the way he writes. I I I read him back in the day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like, when I read in school, I never really liked anything that I was, like, forced to read in school except The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury, which is, right. like, sci-fi. And, yeah. um, and I hate sci-fi, but I liked, yeah, okay. I liked Ray Bradbury. Um, and <laughs> so I read a lot of nonfiction. Um, and, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like, that's that's a thing. And I guess this is nonfiction, so, I mean... Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so I, I read a lot of nonfiction about, like, writing or... You know, writers who write about the things I want to write about, so I can learn from mm. them. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't really do a lot of like recreational reading. I have a um, hundred books that I want to read and that
1: yeah. like are here. Oh. Um, yeah.
0: But yeah, I just don't get to it.
1: Yeah. No. I. I and I can, I can appreciate that. Like I'm, I don't know what your what your views on thrifting are but i like to go thrifting specifically like buying cds and looking for t-shirts but if i like never find anything i'll always go look at books too. Yeah. and a lot of times I'll be like okay who are some authors that i like or whatever and just go look for things i have like a stack of books that's sitting on my bedside table right now that it's like one day i'll read these but more than likely they're just going to get re-donated yeah again. <laughs> no and
0: i have this like this little like Set of books right here that are all books yep. from like people that i know or like kind of know oh, and so yeah, i like yeah. buy them to like support them and also to read them and i just like haven't gotten to them but there's this <laughs> one have you have you read this from the basement
1: no, oh no! I've seen that one. Uh, it get recommended on Amazon a couple times when I've been looking at similar books.
0: Yeah. So for those listening, it's from the basement: a history of emo music and how it changed society. I actually yeah. did read this cover to cover. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, on on the train to work. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really good. It's it's mostly about like the Jersey emo scene and. Um, yeah. Like in the early two thousands and yeah. late nineties and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really it's really good.
1: Um, it's it. Those are the kind of books that I'm finding that like I love to read. Whether it was uh, you know as, as mentioned before, "Our Bang Could Be Your Life," which was one that I'd heard about over the last number of years, and then finally got around to reading. Or uh, "Post" uh, by Eric Grubbs, which I brought up a number of times on the show because it's similar in the sense that it kind of looks at the evolution of post-hardcore and emo, oh, cool. starting though in like the late '80s, working all the way up to 2007, I believe, and then. Another book that I I, I enjoyed parts of and parts of I got kind of annoyed at was Nothing Feels Good, which which I believe, from what I understand, it's kind of, like, written from an outsider's perspective on the scene Uh, sort of thing. But they're covering, you know, a lot of those same bands. Like, there's a chapter on Thursday in there and Dashboard Confessional. I would say,
0: yeah, I've read that, and I think you're right. I think it is, like, um, I think that guy was he's like a music journalist and I think it's yeah, more from that yeah. perspective from yeah. an outsider um, but it's also like kind of like the first book about emo sure and yeah. so and it is also from like early 2000s I think I'm pretty sure yeah um, yep. <clears throat> so there's a lot that like later books you know had to work with as far as like the eff- the the effect it had on culture and like yeah, yeah. Um, you know groups of people and stuff so yeah um, I think it's still at that point when he wrote that book, it hadn't really had much of a huge, much of an effect on, well, I guess there's like dashboard stuff in there. So I think that's probably like the, it's like early dashboard was probably like the latest thing in that book, I think.
1: Yeah, well, because I think maybe either early dashboard or trying to think if, if when he's writing, if the MTV Unplugged show had happened. I don't, I don't, uh, or if even if mark if mark emission of brand come it was anyways it was all kind of like definitely in that like yeah right as dashboard was about to i, I feel like explode yeah you're right um, i think you're right the yeah. last chapter of that book was like work to get through though because it was all about i believe it was about is it like make out club or whatever oh. it was like yeah like just like online sort of like yeah. how emo was growing in that sense and i was like why am i like i didn't it participate in any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, where it's like the music I was all about. And so I was just like reading these people talking about like updating their blogs and how it's just like this huge. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, how, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 36 shortly here in a couple okay. days actually.
0: See, I'll, I'll be 30. 30- Wait, when's your birthday? November 20th. Oh, mine's the 10th.
2: Oh, uh, funny. Yes. Yeah, so I'll
0: be, I'll be 38 on the 10th. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like that, the second band I was in, I was the oldest guy in the band and yeah. The other guys uh, are probably like so. I was like 21 in that band, and the other guys were like, there was they were in high school, so they're like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all had like live journals. They were like the generation of of live journals, and I yeah. I, I feel like maybe I am like right at the age that's like a little too old for that.
1: You so, just missed it. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't yeah. I
0: didn't really get into that shit.
1: Yeah, like I remember. I don't even know if I had a personal MySpace. Like, I can remember going on MySpace oh, and, yeah? you know, like, checking out bands and whatever. And I'm sure I had, like, some kind of MySpace because I don't know. I can't remember if you needed it to anyway. But, like, I I don't think I ever posted anything on it or anything. But um so in, in the book, each chapter, as I mentioned earlier, is, uh, I don't know if it, like, would you say, would you describe it and say that each chapter is based around a song? Like, I guess what I'm asking is like, how did that kind of idea come forward?
0: Yeah. So it's, I mean, I wouldn't say that just because like, I, I, I don't want people thinking that the the chapters are essays about the song because yeah, they're, totally. They're almost not at all about the song. Um, it's kind of different in, in each, in each chapter. Like the first chapter is Jimmy world's 23, because that was the song that was playing on my headphones. As that scene is happening, and it it's, yeah. it explains that in the book, you know that that was playing yeah. in my ears while this is happening, um, and so I had written a couple of things in the past, like just short, um, like music journalism stuff, where like I would I did a review about Warp Tour uh, one year, and within that I would drop lyrics from the band's playing because I wrote it right. kind of as like a, a narrative story sure. about my experience there. Um, and so I would, I would drop those song lyrics in between paragraphs when I'm talking about like Reliant K or something. Um, yeah. and so I would used that format before. And so it started like kind of coming natural, not natural, but I really liked doing that. Um, just kind of like interrupting the story with the song. Yeah. Um, and so that just happened with the 23 chapter. Um but then there's chapters like um the Two Door Cinema Club chapter which takes place at a Two Door Cinema Club concert and so and then there's some like flashback stories of Two Door Cinema Club so there's a Two Door Cinema yeah. Club song on that one and then there's chapters like um the one with the Bright Eyes song another traveling song which the song is about a guy you know writing you know staying up all night writing um, or trying yeah. to write, but not successfully, not being successful at it. So, and I never referenced the song at all in that chapter. It's just right. it just pops up. Um, yeah. But the chapter is about me in a hotel room trying to write. You know. Yeah. So there, the songs are used differently, but the format stays the same. Um, and then there's like the chapter. Um, the Smoking Pope's Megan chapter and there's the karaoke scene where like Lisa Loeb's stay pops up because we sang it at karaoke and then hands down by dashboard confessional pops up. So like those songs are literally in the scene. So it's, it's weird. They're just, it's all over the place of why these songs appear in there.
1: I have to say, I love that you, and maybe this says something about your, your writing or your view on writing, but that you're, you're describing chapters as scenes now obviously that's something that plays out especially when you know if a book say gets adapted to a film type thing but like to look at them because now when i hear you saying these things it makes me actually want to go back and read the book again and try to like i guess put myself for lack of better words in your shoes and like in you know as if it's playing out like a movie now you obviously reference uh i want to say you reference high fidelity in in the book, specifically the film version. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to say, yeah. You also reference "Say Anything." In, yeah. Uh, in the book, so there's there's movies that definitely come up, and I, I I have to say I've actually never seen "Say Anything." Oh my god, dude! It is yeah, a movie that I I used. What was that for? Because at the be- as you you probably noticed, I use clips for movies at the beginning and end of every episode, mm-hmm. and so depending. On the episode if it's an interview i typically try to ask them what their favorite movies are Ah. so i can use that if it's just a regular episode typically and this is i guess kind of a little behind the scenes but typically it's if if a movie comes up when we're talking about it like in when we're recording whatever i try to reference things that way just tie things together but so i did actually use a clip from say anything recently uh for an episode which clip did you use uh, it was the one where he's on the phone asking her to go to the party. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like, cause basically all I do is I just, I just hit up YouTube and I yeah. type, unless I know specifically, like if I know the movie well enough and I'm like, oh this scene would be great. Like if anyone was ever like, Oh, a Kevin Smith movie, I'd be like, all right, I know what scene I'm using sort of thing. Right. Yeah. But like, so this one, having never seen it, even though I'm like over the years, I'm like, I need to see that movie. Cause obviously, you know, the, the boom box thing's been referenced in yeah. countless music <clears throat> videos and what have you. Um and it just seems like a movie that I'd enjoy. Yeah, no, you. Uh,
0: I think you definitely would love it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, sorry the, sorry for the spoilers in the book then.
1: <laughs> I don't even, well, the best part is, so So Aaron is my regular like, co-host on the show or whatever, and he gives me a hard time all the time because he'll tell me things, whether it's a text message or whatever, and I just completely forget about yeah. it. So if you're like, if there's a spoiler in the book, I honestly don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> So that's I'm like, good. well, yeah, I, I mean, maybe if I, you know, when I finally get around to watching the movie, you know, something will come in, like jog my memory, like, oh, freaking Mike <laughs> 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 spoiling it in his book again. But, um, but yeah, no, so I guess what I also wanted to ask, cause I know you've been kind of announcing some news about an audiobook that's yeah. coming out. I was giving you a hard time about audio books earlier. But, <laughs> um, why don't you tell us? So yeah, I guess t- maybe give a brief synopsis of the news, like who's doing it and all this kind of stuff. It's yeah. kind of fun. Then we can talk a little more.
0: Yeah. So, um, an actor named Tyler Posey, uh, recorded the audiobook. Um, he was the star of, uh, the Teen Wolf series on MTV, which is really freaking good. I know like right. I'm getting, I've anybody I've mentioned this to has made fun of me, but I'm right. like binging it right now because yeah. it's so good. That's um, awesome. and, it has absolutely nothing to do with like Tyler reading the audiobook and like the yeah. couple times I got to meet him and hang out with him. Nothing to do with that. Like I watched it one like I started watching it to to like see, you know, what it was like. And I couldn't stop. I I must have watched like six or seven episodes in a row because the cliffhangers at the end of each of them. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm now I'm on like season four. So um so yeah, it's a good show. People should check it out. But uh, he's done some movies, too. I mean, that, that series was, like, I think it ended probably, like, four or five years ago. Okay. Um, but uh, so he's, he's doing a lot of movies now and stuff. But, uh, and he's in a band called uh, Five North, which is on mm. John Feldman's label. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's a pop-punk band. It's really good. They put out an yeah. EP in the last year that sounded like it reminded me of Homegrown. Um, so kind of like early two thousands pop punk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, he's, he's really into this music too. He's like DJed emo night and stuff in LA. Um, and he's always like, it's really crazy because like, I knew that I wanted to adapt this into a TV show. Um, eventually I don't have a script mm-hmm. written or anything, but um, and to go back to what you said earlier about, like, me referring to these as scenes, like, yeah. I've written more scripts than anything. Like, I've I've yeah. written a, a bunch of scripts for, like, a sitcom that I wrote with a buddy of mine, and I wrote another, like, drama pilot. Um, but I've always been, like, a, a script writer. Um, right. And I think it's, like, mainly because I'm – this book is so weird, and it this book ex- only exists because – of the way that I wrote it, you know, like I was in a hotel room, just as it says in the book, I popped a lot of pills and drank a lot of booze yes. and yeah. was depressed and just started writing. I never thought in my life I would write a book. Um, but I've always thought I would write screenplays, you know? Um, and so I think that's why I call them scenes, but it's also cause like I'm a very visual person and I picture right. them in my head. Um, and so, uh, So, yeah, I've always wanted to turn this into a TV show. So when I thought about that, I kind of, like, Googled younger actors, younger Latino actors. I actually Googled hot Latino actors.
1: (laughs) Um, How'd that Google search go for you? It went great. And I didn't
0: mean, like, hot sexy. I meant, like, hot, like, who are the hottest actors right now, you know? Right. Um, Because I don't know know who's a cool young actor now. I'm 38 years old. Yeah. and like, I'm half Mexican too, and so, and I mentioned that a couple times in the book, and so like, I didn't want to like, just book some normal, or like, hire some like, normal white actor to be this guy.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and when Tyler came up on that Google search, I was surprised, because he doesn't look Mexican, but I don't look Mexican either. And so, right. that just made it even more perfect. And I used to run the social media accounts for the TV show Workaholics, um, okay. when I worked, because I worked at Comedy Central for a couple years. Yeah, and Tyler was on an episode of Workaholics um, yeah. when I worked on that, and I had and I like made this like Easter egg website based on a line that he says in the show, and so I just thought that would be funny if like we actually ended up working together after I did that, um, yeah. and I knew that my friend Dana, who's a publicist, she's a music publicist, and she's my her company is the PR company for my book. Um, but I've known her for over a decade, and she's the publicist for like the Used and Bayside and Hopeless Records. Um, I want to say like Equal Vision Records too. Um, she reps Newfound Glory. Like yeah. she was Warp Tour's publicist for the last like four or five years of Warp Tour. Um, so she's just like runs shit in this in this world, you know. Um, and uh, her company's called Big Picture Media. Well, she represented Tyler's band okay and so i knew that like she could probably put us in touch and she did i asked her if she if she could you know text tyler and see if um i could get in touch and he gave her his address so i could send him a book and um i also knew that he like he's pretty open about uh mental health issues that he's had the depression Mm. that he's dealt with and stuff um, and currently, like he's been sober for a short while, and has been pretty open about his, you know, dr- uh, drug issues or an alcohol issues that he's had. Um, so, like everything, the more I like looked into him, was just perfect, you know. Like it was just, it all just came together. And he read the book and called me, and you know, told me he loved it, and you know, we talked about it a lot. And so he he was on board, and he's he's on board too. If it becomes a TV show, like he. That's um awesome. i mean he told me he'd be down to do it so that's one cool thing going on there yeah. with that the other cool thing that's been a huge pain in my ass is that um <laughs> i'm including all the music
1: on the yeah. audiobook that so that's i was i was kind of wondering i i think i'd seen uh, maybe you posted about it on instagram or or there's something anyway yeah. you referenced there was the word some wording that you use i was like is the music in the book? Like, are you going to use that in the audiobook?
0: Yeah, so like, well, like we were talking about how in every chapter, like lyrics from the songs pop up. And the way I always described it to people was that it's, you know, because like I said, I don't want people to think it's an essay. So I would, yeah. just, I, so I would say like, um, it's not like an essay about the songs, but the songs are used as like a soundtrack to the chapters. Mm-hmm um so if you were watching it on a tv show wherever the songs pop up in the book would be like the part in a tv show where the soundtrack swells, swells and the song yeah. plays um and so that's what's going to happen in the audiobook. like it's already finished and mixed um oh, right and on. so every chapter has the song in there playing where it appears in the book um yeah. Even the, you know, the karaoke scene, like I got permission from Lisa Loeb's people to use uh, Lisa Loeb's stay. Uh, it's, not
1: y- it's not like you singing? No, singing no, them.
0: it's not. <laughs> um, and uh, which you still need permission to do if, you, if I yeah, wanted totally. to do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and Chris Carraba like gave me um, or let me use um, hands down from mm. the, the So Impossible EP because right. he owns that version and like Universal yeah. Music owns the a Mark A Mission, the brand of Scar yeah. version, which is harder like Universal's kind of the only company that's been giving me trouble f- for songs. Yeah. Um so he let me use the version that he owns. Um yeah. and he's been super cool, like we had a Zoom like chat and then I went to Nashville and got to meet with him in person. Um and uh, Josh and the Smoking Popes um, let me use a version of Megan that they recorded, because that's also with Universal Music Group. Yeah. Um, and so they just like let me use that song. But then like Hopeless Records was really cool about letting me use the Dangerous Summer stuff. Well, AJ from the Dangerous Summer got the whole ball rolling by um, emailing Hopeless Records for me and asking them if I could use the songs. Um, so they hooked me up there. But, yeah, man, it's been exhausting. There's, like, 23 songs in the book, and... That's fitting. I have to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I have to, like, reach out to every label, every yeah. publisher. Um, yeah, man, it's been hard. I'm The only song I don't have cleared right now is the Two Door Cinema Club song. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, kind of... It's in the works, so... Um, yeah. It, they'll, yeah. All be, they'll all be done by... When the book gets... I mean, the book I'm- won't come out until they're all done, so...
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to hear it uh, because it's it just, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I could probably count on one hand how many audiobooks I've listened to. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not well versed in, you know, what usually goes into an audiobook, but this just sounds like having enjoyed the book. Because I so when I when I read the book, I would before each chapter, I would just sit and listen to the song. Cool. Uh, which obviously you provided. There's QR codes in in the book for Spotify and Apple Music yeah. playlists, so you don't even, don't even have to look it up. Um, but yeah, so I would sit there and I'd listen to the song, and then kind of read, and then I just let the playlist play or whatever as I read. Because I I don't know about you, but I like to have music playing when I read. Um, because any other noise, it's weird. Any other noise will distract me. Like if someone's talking, I'm just going to be listening to what they're saying, regardless of what it is. Yeah. If it's music, I can let it do its thing. No, and tune man, out.
0: I can't listen to music. Like, that's like the biggest no. irony of my life is I can't, <laughs> I can't listen to music and do anything I need to focus on. Like I can right. like cook and listen to music yeah. or like clean yeah. the house. But if I'm like, you know, working on something, I... I can't, I can't like sleep with music on um, because I always listen to lyrics. Like I can't yeah. not focus on lyrics. So like that's where Explosions in the Sky comes in for me. Like sure, I listen yeah, to them yeah. so much. Like I can put them on and actually like work on stuff.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and I will say, like, if it's music that maybe I'm not overly familiar with, and there's there are lyrics that kind of jump out to me, that'll, that'll distract me, and then all of a sudden it'll be like. I've been like reading the words in the book, but not paying attention. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> got to go back. But if it's something that I know and have known forever, uh, then you know, I'm, it's just kind of it can be there. But it's just, uh, yeah, no, it's it's weird. Like I can, if it's quiet, I can read for sure. But if it, I yeah. almost use the music to drown out any other outside noise that might be going on. But, yeah. Not- so when. When you would write, like you said, you're, you know, did the music journalism sort of thing. If you're writing a review for an album, would you listen to it as you're writing it? Or would you have to like, listen to it, kind of jot notes and then just not touch it while you wrote?
0: I, I would listen to it um, before I write um, and kind of like, that's the thing, man. It's like, I am, I'm also not like a a, a draft revision person. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like work things out in my head before I ever write them down. Gotcha. Um, and so that's how that's how I would do it too. Like like when I when I reviewed concerts and stuff, I would take a, like I'd take little notes on my phone. Um, yeah. or like if I was reviewing South by Southwest or a music festival like like South by Southwest, like I would check in at every bar that I went to. I would like take photos because I would always get drunk. And that's how I would, like, go back to, like, what I needed to review. And, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the timeline <laughs> of the festival, I would go reference that stuff. Um, but, like, reviewing a record, no, nah, I would just, like, sit down and, like, enjoy the record on its own. And then while I'm writing, I'll, I'll like, go back and reference the song to, like, see what, yeah. we, I'll remember, like, yeah. oh, yeah, the so in track three, there was these lyrics I really wanted to write about. Let me go back and, like, look at the, like, hear those lyrics again.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah no and, that, and i think that's more what i mean not necessarily like writing your review as you're listening yeah. to you know the record but yeah like to add because whenever i review anything i've always got it and a lot of times it is on for those specific reasons i'll be like oh what was that part in this song and you go check it out and yeah. and from there it's just playing until i'm like oh what was this part in this song <laughs> or whatever yeah. right then you're jumping around but
0: yeah and because also like i'll want to like compare it to something or like a riff or remind me of a riff here and then i'll have to go like yeah. find that song to like yeah. Really, really, like, pin it down, you know?
1: Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you're we're getting ready for an episode on strike anywhere and there's one of the i can't remember the song specifically off the top of my head right now but the melody in the chorus i'm like <laughs> i wish i could remember the words that i'm hearing in my head because it's from like i'm hearing a different song and it just drives me crazy because yeah. i don't have don't even have like the slightest idea what the words are so i could it's not like i can like google it and try and like narrow it down i'm like no there's just a melody yeah dude i'll I do that and i'll things. go on like
0: spotify and i'll click every song yeah. And I'll know within like 3 seconds of the song if that's it yeah. cuz I'll know the melody and it's not yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um so we were we were going to talk about I said we were going to talk about The Dangerous Summer. Yeah. And then I listened <clears throat> to the record a couple times and then I never took any notes on it. But I will <laughs> one thing I will say about The Dangerous Summer that I love and then maybe we can just kind of jump from there but um is there a band that every time I listen to them I feel like because they come up a couple times in your book too. Yeah, I feel like uh, they're a band that I've known my whole life, even though I don't listen to them regularly. They have this weird nostalgic sound to them, without actually being something from like my nostalgia.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? I here's what I think that is, um, and this is like 100% what it is for me, even though I've listened to. You know their record "Reach for the Sun," probably more than any other record. Um, mm. But uh, but even before that, I n- I know what you're talking about, and I think it's because the singer AJ, yeah, is so like genuine in his in his like delivery of his lyrics. You know, it's like it's the first time he's he's thinking of those words. You know, like right. you can feel the pain in his voice, or you can feel the sadness if that's what it is on those lyrics like he's so good at like expressing the feelings that go with those songs that i think you you it, it makes you feel that way that you're like you know talking to a friend or something you know or like yeah. hearing somebody tell you personally this thing you know yeah um, yeah
1: it's it's interesting with him because his like you, you brought up his voice he's got a unique voice for sure yeah. like I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head that he sounds like. But he also doesn't... I think one thing I really enjoy is that he never really seems to, like, over-sing. And maybe, yeah. maybe part of that plays to what you're saying in... You know, like, it's like he's singing it for the first time. Because, I mean, I'm sure when you've written songs or when, I, when I've written songs, when I'm first, like, singing them and just, like, kind of, like, fleshing them out a little bit, I'm not usually going all out either right so it's just like it's just something that flows and it feels natural yeah
0: and it's it's almost like he's not even like singing a song it's like he's really is just telling you how he feels you know yeah um and so yeah man that that's what's connected me to that band for so long um and i mean i didn't i like i i know him now and i've met him and spent a lot of time talking to him but just in the last like year and a half you know um and I mean, I've been listening to him for ten years, and yeah. that's what's that's what's connected me to that band for so long. And and it's every album, man. Even his new records, it's, yeah. he's still the same. Like, yeah. it, it's like he's just talking to you about how he feels, and it's not like he's performing a song, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you, I, I I feel like putting on a Dangerous Summer album, even if you've never heard it before, but you've heard them. You know, I think you know what you're gonna get. And I don't know. Yeah, it's it's this this band that every time I listen to them, I'm always like, why don't I listen to these guys more? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's there's a couple bands that kind of like fall in that category for me, especially bands that are, you know, kind of have been making their name, let's say, in the past 10 years sort of thing. Because like Tiny Moving Parts is another band. Yeah, every yeah. time I put them on, I'm like, why? Like, I've gotten to the point with them where I'm like, OK, they're just always on my phone and you know they 're kind of like one of those fallbacks, or if I don 't know what to yeah. listen to, I'm like, oh I'll listen to tiny moving parts, and a lot of that's because I think the guitar work on those records for is sure just
0: Have you ever seen fantastic. them
1: live? I did get to see yeah, I did here's the thing living in Canada and we do like in living in western Canada, we don't get a ton of great shows yeah like we get i shouldn't say that we do get great shows they're just not all the time. so I did get to see tiny moving parts they opened for the Wonder Years, which was probably yeah. like just one of my absolute favorite shows maybe of all time yeah i i caught Um, that tour yeah and it was because yeah wonder years were playing sister cities which i know a lot of people that that record kind of split fans because you know they got further away from that earlier pop punk sound but i like i love sister cities same reason i love a lot of records you know that kind of fall you know in the post hardcore emo sort of world and just the sense that it's like there's a lot more kind of like dynamic variants going on and the the guitars are just beautiful on that record yeah i Uh,
0: i you know didn't really follow the wonder years after um suburbia um but i listened to the greatest generation and i mean I, i listened to that a little bit but it I mean, I didn't, like, listen to it as much as I listened to Suburbia. But here's the mm-hmm. thing, is, like, every time I come across their later stuff, I ask myself why I stopped listening to them. Because yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. I love his lyrics. I love the way he, you know, sings, too. Um, yeah, I mean, and, yeah, I mean, I could tell the difference in Sister Cities, so it didn't, it, yeah. it didn't make me, like, want to, you know, dive into it as much. But then, like, it'll come up on my shuffle and I'll be like, why why did I not, like, get into oh, yeah. this record? It's so good.
1: Yeah, it's I. It's funny because when that record first came out, there was, like, some production things on it that I was like, oh, I don't know if I like the way it sounds overall. Yeah. But it's, de- it's definitely a sound that kind of, like, grows on you. And then the songs were just, I again, like, when I play guitar, typically I like my guitar soaked in reverb and delay. So the fact that they were doing that more but mixing that with, I mean, the wonder years, right. It was just like, and I also felt like, um, like Dan was singing. He again was showing a lot more kind of dynamic variance in his singing quieter parts he's always done some quieter parts but most of the time especially on those older records he's just kind of like belting it out right yeah he's doing the he's doing the dan campbell thing which is great too but i just loved yeah how he's all over the place on on the newer stuff so that tour with tiny moving parts though it's like it's still one of those shows where i look back on and i go man like missing concerts right now it's concerts like that right oh for sure
0: yeah i love tiny moving parts live and i haven't seen them in fact i i don't i don't know if i did catch that tour with wonder years and tiny moving parts um but i, I saw them at riot fest years ago and i've seen them probably like two or three times live and they're just they just seem like so happy when they play like the, the i don't know yes. the dude's <laughs> name but like the singer yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah he's like always has a smile on his face like every second it's, of the show. It's, it's great. incredible,
1: <laughs> Especially for writing such sad music. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and, and it's, it's interesting because I listened to an interview with him. I want to say it was, I mean, this was a couple of years ago now, but I, I think it was on the Washed Up Emo podcast. Yeah. And I just remember him saying, you know, because on that Tom was talking about how, you know, like they've got this sound that really obviously like, calls back to like that 90s late 90s kind of midwest emo thing yeah. and asking you know, like if you know he apparently didn't grow up on any of that didn't really have any idea what it was wow. and it was just kind of what they were playing right like i th- i feel like he said he referenced some other band that would like not fall within that scene at all as to why he plays guitar the way he plays huh. guitar but then yeah when you put it all together it's just like it's this really they're they're for sure one of my favorite kind of like bands going going today And yeah. you know maybe maybe one day i'll get to see him again who knows like even, even yeah, when man. tours start i don't know if they'll come up here but yeah um, and
0: I'm, I'm like even when tours start i don't know when i'll feel comfortable going right to did shows. you miss
1: out on like so did you have tickets to specific shows that got canceled like i feel like everyone you know, probably has something no? i
0: actually don't think i did um but that's for yeah um I don't, I don't know. Oh, you know what? I did have tickets to see Bright Eyes because they yeah. were like, they hadn't toured in a really long time, yeah. and they were gonna yeah. start playing. I had tickets to Bright Eyes. Um, there was another tour. I definitely like not My Chemical Romance. I'm not yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I think I like aged out of emo when My Chemical Romance was blowing up.
1: I yeah, I had three Cheers. Yeah, uh, and because I mean that was like I was big into because I want to say it came out when would that have come out shortly? No, maybe not shortly. Maybe it was a couple of years or whatever, mm-hmm. but around the time that like the used self-titled was out, like I was listening to that. And, and then they used released maybe memories, which was like a B sides thing with a DVD documentary stuff. That was great. Yeah. And so, my Chemical Romance came out sometime in there, and so I had three Cheers, and I was always like, "Ah, it's a little." There's there's some songs I really like, and then there's some songs that are a little weird, and then I just I didn't follow them yeah. for that. But
0: um, I'm um, trying to think. I had I had tickets to something else that like I had to get them as soon as they went on sale because I yeah. knew they were going to sell out. But was I, it Rage? No, I've never been like a Rage it. fan either. Okay, really. because
1: that was the one. Like that was probably the biggest one. It's still technically on that yeah. show because uh, I got tickets there coming up here and bought tickets it's the most i've ever spent on tickets to a show easy and uh yeah it was like it was supposed to happen and then obviously COVID happened and so they rescheduled right now it's rescheduled for june so i mean there's still like this very slim outside chance but i'm like the problem is even if you know say our numbers in canada were at a place where shows could start happening again bands still need to be able to tour to make those shows happen right so (laughs) it's just this thing where it's like i don't i'm like it's not i'm just waiting for my money back but there is there was that, and then I had tickets to see Jimmy Eat World, uh, which got postponed and then canceled. I had the Death Cat or not Death Cab Dashboard Confessional, like the DC Twenty Acoustic Tour or whatever. Yeah. So and the
0: last the last night concerts happened in New York. Yeah. He played that tour was yeah. here in New York, but I went to see Dave Haas Okay. Because um, yeah. he was playing the same night, and I went out on the road for like five weeks with Dave, and I love Dave. Mm-hmm. He's such a great songwriter. Um, yeah. So I went to see him play the night before concerts were canceled in New York. Um, So yeah, I missed, I missed the dashboard thing, but I just saw, I mean, I've seen him a million times and I've, I I just saw
1: him recently too. It's funny with dashboard because I, I can't even recall when he came up here. Uh, I think I, I I feel like I remember this very weird thing where he opened for you too uh up here at this like a huge that i didn't go to i was like like i have zero interest in going to see you too, yeah. and then it turns out dashboard open i was like oh well, that's a bummer huh. um and that's the only time i can remember hearing him come up here and so when he was doing the twin Forks stuff oh yeah uh, they came up here a couple times and so i went and saw them both times mainly I, I won't lie the first time was because i'm like well maybe he'll play a dashboard song or two and then i can kind of like check it off the list in like this roundabout way and right? did he he did. He always right. played, at both shows I saw him at, he played one Dashboard song. It was a different one each show. I can't even, they, yeah. it wasn't any of like his monster ones, right? So, um and then though, it was announced that he was coming. And so I got to see him on the, uh, was it Crooked Shadows or whatever, his last album he released on the tour for that. So I was like, oh, sweet. And then I saw him two more times within like the same year nice. because he yeah. came up. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden he was up here all the time. I'm like, what's going on? Like uh-huh. it's been years. And I mean, he was also fairly inactive with that band for a while yeah. too. Right. So it's like, obviously he wasn't going to be coming up here to play, you know, one-off shows at a small club sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So, but
0: yeah. Um, yeah, I think that DC 20 tour got canceled after the New York show. Oh yeah. Um, cause I, th- I heard Matt Pryor talk about it. I think that, I think yeah. that was their last show on that tour. Um, cause yeah, the next day is when everybody started canceling tours um yeah but yeah i you know i i love i love riot fest i go to riot fest i try to go to riot fest every year um and so my wife and i definitely would have gone to that you know if we would have if concerts were still happening but now i can't think of any other i mean i i watch bayside every chance i get so i probably would have gone to the bayside senses fail tour um Mm -hmm. but i didn't have tickets for it
1: yeah the only other one that i missed that i had tickets for was face to face Their i think it's 25th anniversary of big choice Um, which i was looking forward to seeing that because the last time they were up here it was like the turnout was not good and so i was surprised that they were coming up again and i'm pretty sure when i checked at some point like tickets were sold out so i was like oh i would love because i mean they're one of my all-time favorite bands so i'm like to see them play in a full room again would be because it was it was this weird thing where I saw face to face and it was like this room where you could literally like social distance in this room with how many people were there. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, a week or two later, mill and Colin was up here and they were playing another room that, and it was just like packed out. Right. And I was like, why was this not for face to face? Like, I think ah."
0: mill and Colin is the last band that I like love and grew up on that I haven't seen.
1: Oh man! Because yeah, they, I, I had I hadn't until that until that. And it because just through like music
0: journalism it. and stuff, I've been able to kind of and going to festivals, I've been able sure, to yeah. see just about every single band that I've always loved, except yeah. them. Um, yeah, yeah, man, I'd love to see those guys.
1: Um, they were they were. I mean, Mill and Collins a band too that. Uh, I mean, say I said this about the Dangerous Summer where you put a record on, especially since like Penny Bridge Pioneers, you put a record on and you know what you're going to get and you know it's going to be more Mill and Colin and it's going to be good. Face to face is the same way yeah. too, for the most part. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've listened to Protection that they released a couple of years ago, but it is it's one of my favorite face to face records. And, you know, it's that late in their career. Like, yeah, it's, it's incredible. No,
0: I just like, saw them. Um, I mean, it might have been right at that record. Mm-hmm. Um, and they toured through here with Lagwagon. Uh, oh, yeah. And that was great. Like, I've, I've, see, that's another thing, too. Like, Lagwagon was one of the first punk bands on the like mixtape that went around my yeah. skater group. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I was into Lagwagon very early, um, but didn't see them until like 2010 or something. Because, yeah. you know, where I'm from in Texas, and also, like, I grew up poor, so there wasn't a lot of traveling for concerts. Um, but then, uh, but yeah, like, in my adult life, I've seen Lagwagon, like, at least five times.
1: Yeah. They're they're one of those bands who I haven't, I, I've had the chance, and the last time they were here, I just decided not to for whatever reason. I was also, I was kind of late to the game with Lagwagon. Like, yeah. I, we plan on doing a series on them in the future. Oh, yeah. Um, but like I shouldn't I mean I was late to the game in actually becoming a fan of Lagwagon. I always knew who they were and what yeah. they sounded like. It was always like, oh yeah, Lagwagon, but never never owned anything by them, never got into them cuz I'm sure I would have had countless opportunities to see them over the years. Like they feel I feel like they're one of those bands that was, you know, always around but um yeah, it wasn't until even just like the uh, the last few years that I've been like Yeah. Oh yeah, like I can let's talk about feelings. Sure. I can listen to that. Like, you know, like it actually well, yeah. put things on. And that's
0: the cool thing too, man, is that like that stuff all still holds up. I mean, For sure. if you're a fan of it, it, it does. And I think that's like something really cool about right now is that <clears throat> you can get anything anytime. And so like mm. nothing's old, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. just because like, like that's not old to you so that's like that's great like i like, and that's how i feel like about the book about my book too is it like you know um i think you might have brought it up since we kind of went back and forth on when we could actually do this but i I mean i've had that conversation with several people and um even like tom from wash up emo he was he's like so far behind on like interviews i was like it doesn't matter to me man like i can talk to you in december and then maybe that sells a couple books in december whatever like it doesn't have to I'm not on like a record label or a publishing company that only cares about my book for three months like I've self-published it so like it's the new book to whoever hears about it whenever they hear about it you know
1: yeah 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 no that's 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 awesome so is it because I just heard about this recently when I interviewed Eric uh, Grubbs who wrote post Um, is it so, so does like Amazon or whoever do they print it on demand when you order it from them basically yeah that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> like and, that. That's a thing.
0: Yeah, and there's another company that I work with called Ingram Spark, which is like the biggest, like one of the biggest book distributors in the world. So like they they distribute books for major publishers, mm-hmm. and so they'll get my book to like if you order a paperback from Noble dot com, they'll print yeah. they'll print it on demand for Barnes okay. and Noble, um, yeah. and that's that's the only other place I think that actually sells. <clears throat> um, Paperbacks and stuff. At least here in America, I don't really know what other book chains are actually out there competing yeah. anymore. Um, so, like, yeah, paperbacks like you can get on Amazon or BarnesandNoble but then it's like on ebook everywhere else. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I did want to ask because you mentioned kind of discovering old stuff that's then new to you now because you're just, just discovering it now. Do you have any any bands like not necessarily recently, but that I guess semi recently that you you were like oh Either you never checked them out, or you never heard about them that you checked out, and you're like, "Dang, that was good. How did I miss out on this?"
0: Man, I can't think of any off the top of my head. That's fair. Um,
1: <laughs> it was. I mean, that's a that's a. It doesn't happen I, I mean, every day. You know
0: what though? Like, so like the Casket Lottery is putting out new music, and <sighs> yeah. and that's made me go back. Yeah. Because I never really got into that back then. Yeah. And so like now I know that I like that music now. So now yeah. I'm like going back to older stuff. Um, so that's that's one for sure. Um, but yeah, no, nah, man, I can't think of anything on top of my head other that's, than that.
1: Love that you brought up the casket lottery though because it was just just the other day. Uh so I mentioned earlier about thrifting for CDs and stuff like that, right? Like the only time I listen to CDs is in my car because at home I don't even know if I Yeah. I don't even know if I have a CD player in the house. I guess maybe my Xbox 1 would work as a CD <laughs> player. That's about the only thing. Um but in my car every now and then I'll uh I've got CDs in there and so just recently uh The Casket Lottery Survival is for Cowards uh was playing and I think I just swapped it out yesterday for Jimmy, Jimmy, world, static prevails. So (laughs) it's like you know, keeping it nice and new, up to date. I
0: can't remember if we have a CD player in our car. I don't think we do. Yeah.
1: Well, it's funny because I don't have any vehicles that are new enough to have Bluetooth. So I'm like, I always.
0: Yeah. Ours doesn't have Bluetooth.
1: Yeah, and so on. Um, Like the, I mean the the last couple generations of iPhones, you need like the adapter or whatever, right, to to plug into your aux cable. So. I have one in our one vehicle, but not in the other. And so I'm just like in my car yeah. that I drive around. It's just. Our CDs. car has
0: the USB in it, so I can use oh, an yeah. a, a iPhone
1: charger to yeah, play yeah. the music. That's fair. I thought for a second you were going to say put it like a thumb drive. I'm like, man, <laughs> that feels like that goes back farther than. than <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, like I don't know if that's. <laughs> I wonder
0: if that'd be possible because then you have like all d- kinds of music.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. I know for sure. Like some vehicles could do it. You could like. Yeah put a thumb drive in and then it would like load up on on like your touch screen or whatever yeah no we have a
0: 2012 and... honda accord so it's not awesome. that fancy newer uh, than my vehicles <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but uh yeah you know now you got me wondering where my cds are because i used to have a like <laughs> yeah. big four cd page yeah you yeah. know giant album of cds and i don't know where that is now
1: which is funny because i like i have one of those now not for like regular use but because like there was at one point in time when we moved, uh, I was like, well, I don't want to keep lugging all of these CDs around. Like this would have been at the time that like streaming services were just kind of starting. Yeah. I was like, I don't need to keep moving all these CDs and cases in boxes that are just going to sit downstairs, but I don't want to get rid of the CDs. Yeah. So I, I did the, like the blasphemous thing where I went and, got rid of all the cases and just put the CDs in like a binder sort of thing. (laughs) I don't know why that's blasphemous. I never thought that. Because, I mean, so behind me I've got all these like CD, you know, covers. But those are all things I've thrifted kind of within the past couple months uh, of just records. I'm like, yeah, these are good. But I always like, so I collect vinyl. And one of the reasons I collect vinyl is because I like, especially if it has an insert, right? Like being able to see that sort of stuff. So speaking of like Sister Cities by The Wonder Years, that. I didn't even get the special like deluxe edition, and it's one of the nicest pressings I have because they cool. put so much time into it. But so like CD booklets, I'm always like, oh, I wish I still had that. But I just have this book of CDs. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because yeah, so it's up in a closet. Half of it is CDs, and half of it's DVDs because I did the same thing with DVDs. I'm like, well, I don't want to get rid of these, even though most every one of these things is on some streaming service yeah. that I already pay for, right? Did but, you get
0: the new? Um juliana theory emotion is dead 20th no, anniversary
1: so, yeah so i don't know if you like in the in like my, the top five that i listed or whatever of the tooth and nail post hardcore records uh i mentioned that emotion is dead is probably like the one that most people would pick in that spot at least for a juliana theory record yeah and i could just never get into it i was listening really? to it actually yeah i was listening to it in like kind of preparing to write that list and at some point in time i was like i can't i just turned it off wow but, that's but so I, surprising yeah well it was just there was something vocally that was going on that i was like i can't get into it and yeah there's a
0: lot of falsetto in there i think that could, bo- yeah. could
1: bother some people <laughs> yeah and so then I, when i went back to oh whatever i can't remember the name of the album before that but the one uh, i understand picking, this is a dream that's what it is i was like i know it's like a sentence <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah like that one i was like okay like vocally they were never super strong for me yeah this juliana theory but I can see that. on that record i'm like it it felt just more like yeah. genuine i guess yeah
0: cuz it was more like a gritty gritty punk yeah.
1: kind of record yeah um
0: yeah. yeah no dude i listen to emotion is dead all the time still and i feel like yeah. it holds up so much but maybe you had to like it in the first place so i don't know
1: yeah i it's. I tried to like it. Like I saw them. Uh, they were on a tour. They were headlining and Snapcase and Hope's Fall wow, open. Yeah. So I went. I was at the show for Hope's Fall. I was like, that was at the time. That was my band. I was like, oh, I can't believe they're here. I ended up seeing them a couple times over years, especially when they play Warp Tour. But, um, but yeah, I remember going to that show and uh, I didn't. I wasn't overly familiar with Snapcase, but I knew who the Juliana Theory was. So I watched Hope's Fall. Yeah, loved it watched Snapcase, and then Juliana Theory came on. And it was like one of these things where it was like, I just kind of left partway through. <laughs> I think part of it was like, again, it was, <laughs> I, I was familiar with them and I knew that I wasn't a huge fan of them to begin with. And so I was like, well, I do kind of want to watch and it wasn't as much on them as it was more just like, I was here to see hopes fall. And I was like, okay, I'm good to go. And it was like a 45 minute drive home. I was like, well, I could probably head home now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, they're, yeah, they're
0: they're definitely, that's one of my favorite records. And and that, that new 20th anniversary, um, actually, I don't know if it's a, I guess, I don't know if it's a repress or, if there was, well, yeah, I guess forward. that would
1: insinuate that there was a an original press, yeah, and but... I don't
0: know if there was, but uh, um, anyway, um, yeah, the 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 packaging and everything is, is really yeah. great, they did some cool stuff with it, it
1: looked really great. I was trying to remember if that one, yeah, so that one was done by so Jason, the guy who from oh, Unoriginal vinyl, yeah. the guy who I interviewed, I was like, I'm pretty sure I saw him post about that, cool, um. Yeah, I'm looking at. I do, I do remember looking at it and going like, man, that looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Like, there's, I do know too. Like he puts, in just in talking mm-hmm. to him, like he puts a ton of, a ton of work and thought into. Yeah, that what's seems going like a very this. cool thing to do, man. Just like yeah, the
0: different. Like vinyl's so beautiful right now, man. Yeah. I I've I've been buying the all the dashboard vinyl that he's been right. putting out lately. Yeah. And man, yeah. some of those are so pretty. I
1: was like, he. Yeah, I bought uh, places you've come to fear the most. Uh, and I was like that's where I, I kind of had to stop I always have to like, like especially because it was like shortly after that he's like oh Swiss Army Romance and yeah. oh because uh, th- did they do the Unplugged I think he did the Unplugged did, yeah too. I bought the Unplugged yeah. yeah yeah. and I was like which I listened to that album so much I love it, it dude out. like yeah. all the
0: harmonies I sing on dashboard songs no matter what version are from the Unplugged <laughs> from that. and yeah. then I'll, like I'll air drum the drum parts from that Unplugged
1: I love that right. record so much it's, it's so good and like when it came out I was working at a golf course, and at the time, like, I didn't have... I mean, like, I don't even know if MP... I don't think MP3 players were a thing. Maybe they were very early on. (laughs) Like, obviously, burning CDs was a thing and whatever. But I didn't have, like, a Discman. I had, like, a Walkman, like a cassette. Yeah. Actually, it was probably a Panasonic Shockwave, if I remember correctly. It was yellow and gray. Oh, yeah. But anyway, every night before going to bed, I would... I had, like, this 90-minute tape, and I would just dub whatever onto it and then just listen to that tape for eight hours at work. Right. (laughs) And so most of that summer though, it was, uh, the unplugged album on one side and then the other side was wiretap scars by Sparta. And I just like listened to those on. uh, So anytime I put those (laughs) two things, any one of those albums on, I'm like immediately driving like a, a little tractor that rakes the sand pits at a golf course at, (laughs) you know, seven in the morning. So, (laughs) yeah, I remember when that,
0: when that unplugged happened, um, They released a, a double... It was a CD with a DVD of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this the girl that I was dating at the time got it for me for my birthday or Christmas or something. Um, yeah. And I watched that thing all the time, man. I used to watch yeah. the DVD over and over.
1: Did you... So did you have... Um, did you buy the copy of A Mark of Mission, or brand of scar that came with the DVD?
0: No, I didn't. Because, yeah,
1: so I don't know if it was, again, if it was because I don't think the CD had any extra songs on it. So I don't know that it was like a full on deluxe version thing, but it came with a DVD and the DVD was dashboard confessional doing a set of REM covers off of automatic for the people. And then the last song, Michael Stipe comes out and sings I remember that happening. Hands, yeah. yeah. Hands down with them. It's just like, I watched the, another one. I watched so many times, yeah. just being like, "Oh, this is so good!" And like, it sold me on REM. Like, I knew like the REM hits, yeah. But like from that point on, I was like, "I need Automatic for the People."
0: Yeah, that's another <laughs> band I like. Never got into. Um, yeah,
1: I mean they were they were they were too old for me. I guess same here. In sense, yeah, right. Like yeah. yeah, they were they were affecting a generation before me. But exactly outside of hearing those big radio singles, um, but yeah, so to hear Dashboard cover them and in in on that DVD, he talks about. I guess, discovering that album for the first time and whatever. And I'm like, okay, like that's so cool. And then, so I had to, had to get it. I I eventually got it on CD. I still want to get it on vinyl. I've never purchased it on vinyl, but I'm sure, I'm I'm sure I can get a repress on Amazon right now if I wanted, right? Like it's gotta be everywhere. So, um, but yeah, no, man, music's so cool. eh? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I love this though.
0: No, it's great. Especially like right now, you know, we're not, we're, where none of us are hanging out with people and talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, I love just being able to like hang out and talk about music um, yeah. and shows and stuff like, yeah, it's great.
1: And books And
0: books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I did joke that we were going to talk about emo music and Nick Hornby all night. Oh already yeah. talked about Nick yeah. Hornby, but high fidelity is one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. And also, and I like to set
0: that in the book. I've read the book. I've actually read the book twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've just seen it's the, the only, movie a yeah, hundred times. I,
1: I think it's the only book outside of maybe animal farm, but animal farm hardly counts. Cause it's like 80 pages, but I think it's the only book I've read more than once. I've started other oh, yeah. books. multiple And see, times that's and the never... thing
0: too, man. It's like, I'll read a book. Like I've read love in the time of cholera three times. Cause I love yeah. that book. And so yeah. like I can read a book and I can read a book multiple times, but I just, I just like my, my go-to thing of like, what do I want to do right now is never read a book. You know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know why, like I, I enjoy it. And there are books that I'll go back. It's like, I'll read a book a third time before I go read a new book. Like that doesn't seem like a smart move. I should be reading more books.
1: It's funny because like I'll watch movies, you know, or TV shows multiple times. Like, I don't know. uh, You talked about Teen Wolf earlier and you kind of like, you know, said, you know, it's, it's actually a good show, but you've had people kind of scoff at you or whatever. But I mean, my, my favorite, like, when I absolutely get invested into a TV show a lot of the time, it's typically like a teen drama sort of thing. Dude, you know
0: what? Like Like, I started watching, this is years ago, but I started watching pretty little liars. Okay. Um, only because I had run out of TV shows to watch that I was actually interested in, but (laughs) I know that those teen drama shows always have the best soundtracks. Yes. And that's why I started watching that show. Yeah. But it, that show was I did not think was good and so it, it even it if care. even with a good soundtrack I couldn't watch it yeah um, but yeah man those like I love the OC I, lo- yes. I learned about well, so many bands from the OC um, yeah. and uh, you know even Dawson's Creek back in the day yeah. like yeah I love all that stuff
1: I was I was gonna say the only one of the one TV show that I've watched for sure more than once all the way through is the OC although it's like it's like work now because TV shows these days are like 13 episodes for a season or yeah. something right you're like with the oc that first season i think is 25 episodes yeah and so it just feels like and i don't think they you know like another show that i watch uh that's a you know a current show current it's been on forever but the walking dead yeah but like they'll they'll do like a mid-season Ten sort of finale and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, like, the OC, they weren't doing that, right? Like, it was just, like, it was 25 episodes, here you go, you're not going to get that huge cliffhanger, like, resolution or whatever, like, until episode 25. So, it's funny, because it's, like, it was a four-season show, but within those four seasons, it's, like, eight or nine seasons worth of TV, right? Like, Yeah,
0: (laughs) well, that's, like, network TV, because, like, network shows are, like, 25 episodes a season, or 23 episodes a season. Yeah. Um, but yeah
1: now with with like streaming services and like them doing their own like content yeah, yeah. They, they typically seem to be in that i think i've even seen seasons that are like that aren't um like what do they call them limited specials oh or yeah whatever. limited like,
0: limited series yeah
1: yeah limited series that aren't those i think the shortest i've seen is still like eight episodes yeah like, that's crazy which i love because i'm like okay cool we're done that in like two nights let's yeah. move on to something else now right like um
0: uh, did you ever watch um See, like, I also watched Gossip Girl because I knew it yeah. was going to have, because it's from the same guy who did yeah. the OC and the same yeah. music supervisor, so I knew yeah. it would have good music. But Gossip Girl's great. I love that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I started watching, um, or I was going to ask you, if you watched One Tree Hill? <clears throat> yes. I started watching that, like, eight months ago for the same yeah. reason, looking for yeah. that good soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and i i got into a couple episodes but it's it wasn't the same
1: no and it's a show so actually i want to i want to try and remember to go back to gossip girl in a second but what a what a weird world we live <laughs> in um it's a show that one tree hill that i watched it anticipating a show like the oc which in a lot of exactly. ways it is yeah. but you could really stop watching one tree hill after season 4 because what they do is they like because with, with with the OC they went they went through high school and then the season that really fell apart was when high school was over right like they've gone off to college and then I mean they're it probably fell apart for various reasons yeah but with One Tree Hill they actually I don't know how far oh, they into time it, warp go, right they yeah they yeah. they jump ahead and they skip four years or whatever and so it's like this really weird thing where all of a sudden you're like oh now I'm following these same characters who look the same because life didn't life didn't go, life like didn't go that far yeah yeah and so but now they're like married with children and it's like this weird sort of jump but so i only it, i only made yeah, it to
0: like season two like beginning of season yeah. two and it was just too dramatic you know
1: yes i mean it, it also looks it like i feel like yeah. the way and maybe maybe the oc they shot it that way too but it's like everything feels like hazy no yeah
0: there's of, definitely like a well gossip girl was cw also so i don't know
1: yeah yeah. But I was going to say like with Gossip Girl and um, was it Josh Schwartz? Yeah. Josh Schwartz. Yeah. So because, yeah, he did the OC and then he did Gossip Girl and he also did Chuck. I was
0: going to ask if you watched Chuck. I love Chuck. Yeah.
1: And so, so Chuck was great because basically Chuck and Seth Cohen are Josh Schwartz, which yeah. is what I love about it. Like he's based off them off himself. But what I wanted to get to is did you ever did you, have you seen the show uh, Looking for Alaska? No. So it's a Josh Schwartz show. Really? Uh, but it's a John Green book. Have you ever read anything by John Green? I don't think so. So he no. did like, yeah, he did, I mean, he's like a young adult writer or whatever. We did like Fault Within Our Stars or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah, so I, I know them. Towns. I know the movies. Yeah. But, yeah. So looking for Alaska, I remember I was on, I was browsing some like time-wasting website at one point and someone had like uploaded like a, uh, just like a quote from this book. And I can't even remember what the quote was now, but I like looked it up because I was like, that sounds awesome. What is that? And it was just like, um, a quote uh, anyway about a guy describing, I think like how this girl made him feel sort of thing. Right. Like there's a lot of like instances in your book where you kind of get into that sort of thing. And so it was just this quote where I was like, what is that? So I looked it up, found out it's this book looking for Alaska by John Green. So I read it. It's It's a pretty great book. I enjoyed it. And then I saw recently that, uh, I don't know who did it up here. It was on like, so we have what's called the cbc which is the canadian broadcasting corporation and so they they typically like do you know the show shits creek yeah 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 so that's like a cbc show yeah. right but they'll also obviously like pay for shows from elsewhere and so this one was on there and i was like what So at first I thought, is this a like is it a Canadian ad? And then I see Josh Schwartz, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it's actually, it's pretty good musically. Again, it hits it hits on the nose. Cool. Um, I feel like there were I kept tweeting things about it about how Josh Schwartz was just trying to make this like The OC Part Two because like one of the very first episodes where a big thing happens happens at Cotillion, and I'm just (laughs) like these things. I'm like I've seen this before, (laughs) right? But (laughs) so it's pretty good. But it's only one season, like a one and done type thing. Like that's the whole. Unless they expanded on outside of the book, but the book is done in that one season. But huh. uh, it's pretty awesome. But yeah, yeah, teen, check it out. teen drama, I'm, man. I've yeah. always
0: loved like his stuff, so I'm sure I'll like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But anyway, man, I think that will.
0: But yeah, I was actually like when I went to Nashville um, like two months ago. I've you know met up with Chris Caraba and he signed. Yeah. Um, that's like another thing. Like, um, so I have like ten copies of the book that. Yeah. Uh, like chris from dashboard signed all the guys from bayside signed um matt hoops from reliant k signed it aj from the dangerous summer signed it um and tyler posey signed it signed them in there so i'm gonna like raffle those off later that's cool probably this month um to raise some money for charity um i got some posters that everybody signed to um (laughs) so that's going to be coming later but when I was talking to when I met up with Anthony from Bayside, I was telling him about how I, I want to make this a TV show and I want to make it like The OC for people in their late twenties. Yeah. Because all of those teen, all of those drama shows are teen dramas. Yeah. But like, I don't know, man. Like our generation dealt with that shit long after that, you know. And there's right. no shows about that, you know. Yeah. It's like you're not. Um. If if it, if you're dealing with that stuff, it has to be comical, like How I Met Your Mother, you know, right? Yeah. Um, which which was great in in the like balance of like I love shows like that and Scrubs, you know, where it's like a balance yeah. of drama. And
1: did you I mean, did you see the show Happy Endings?
0: I I I don't think I watched all of it. Yeah. I, I watched I a lot of it, yeah. but I think I felt yeah. like it was like too cheesy. That's possible <laughs>
1: for sure. There's like, I can picture like one character specifically that was very like, yeah. Over the top. I did but, like it did, though. Did you see, um, cause I was like, when you said like in their late twenties sort of thing, it was reminding me, did you ever see the show love on Netflix?
0: Oh yeah. 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 See, I didn't, lo- I, I liked that you show. Didn't love. love? <laughs> I didn't love love. Um, yeah. You know what?
1: Have you seen you're the worst? No, I'm <laughs> trying to think if I've, if my wife watches a ton of TV shows and I'll be like, Hey, let's watch this she's like i already saw it i feel (laughs) like
0: you're the worst is kind of like love but better in Mm. that it like touches on the same topics um the main guy and it's a writer um it deals a lot with like the the like mental health side of like relationships and and they're in their like early 30s that's like the only example i know of that does a really good job of of capturing that um, and so like, I want this, I want to like turn this into a TV show that feels like the OC, but for adults, you know, yeah, um, yeah. cause I was 28 when I wrote this, you know? And like, I'll admit I was super, you know, um, like my emotional intelligence level was not that of an adult. Um, yeah. and that's part of the reason I wind up the way that I do in the book. Yeah. But I think that's pretty common for people in their mid to late twenties to mid thirties. You know, yeah, I didn't yeah. get my shit together till my early thirties, so right. and I, you know, barely. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's but that's the thing is like, I don't. I think we we also still don't feel so comfortable with allowing ourselves to struggle with that stuff because mm. we feel like we're supposed to have our shit together right more yeah. together by twenty four. You know. um and that's so not common like yeah we like at least my generation and i think probably people quite a bit younger than us um still feel like because we're told you go to high school you go to college you graduate by your 22 you get a job so you should have your shit together by your 24 25 yeah it's so uncommon that people have their shit together by 25 and, For sure. yeah. and we all feel guilty about it because we've been told that we're supposed to. Yeah. And so I, I wanna I wanna make something that that makes people
1: feel more comfortable about about that. That's cool. That's cool. Well I look I, I hope that's I hope it becomes a thing. Because if it's anything like the book, it'll be enjoyable. Thanks, man. Uh, so you, you did mention the raffle a minute ago. So where can are you going to be doing that on social media?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll like have a website up for it and then I'll, I'll push it all out in social media. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's at Mikey Lee rock. It's M I K E Y L E E R O C K. And then my like production company, which I like, publish the book through and I'll, I like put video content out is uh, burger media, but the, you can find it on social media under a burger joint and that's b-e-r-g-e-r so yeah. a burger joint um that's where you'll find most of the updates about the book and book related stuff um but yeah man i'm i'm all over there and i try to i try to put stuff out um pretty often so people can find more like entertaining stuff
1: <laughs> connected to the <laughs> book well this was this was fun we literally talked we were all over the we were man that was fun You gotta kick it off with a killer to grab attention. Then you gotta take it up a notch, but you don't wanna blow your wad,
0: so then you gotta cool it off a notch. There are a lot of rules.